How about that, Nolan Jones, huh? <laughs> what a fun debut. Listen, there is going to be ups and downs with any young player, but let's enjoy Nolan Jones right now as he just continues delivering for this Cleveland Guardians team. We're going to talk Nolan, we're going to talk Fran Mill, we're going to talk so much on today's episode of Locked on Guardians in what is currently a pretty fun game going on. <laughs> Are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone. I am Jeff Ellis, the host of Locked On Guardians. Uh, as I have been since the inception of this very show. Before that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst for Scout and 24-7. I recently was doing the math. I have been covering the draft for 14 years. <laughs> and uh, 2013 or 2014, the Bradley Zimmer class was my first one that I covered as a national writer. So I thought that was kind of a fun thing to go back and look at. Uh, additionally, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever you get podcasts. I want to give some thank yous to people who went out and left some reviews. Uh, this is why I love the listeners of Lockdown Guardians. I see other people having to deal with so much negativity. And yes, the one-star reviews are currently my second highest amount of reviews, but all reviews are good. My co-host wants to hop up on mic uh, to... Lil Josh, thank you. To Patch Rogers, thank you. And to, uh, uh, Craig Pig Suey, all thank you. I think all of them came back after that last negative review and left one. So I, I really appreciate that. I'm actually recording this on my birthday. So I just want to take this moment and say, if you want to do something for my 41st birthday, uh, you can either leave a review on iTunes. Do I have like a smudge? I feel like I had a smudge. I apologize on here for this uh, if you're watching. But... Or go subscribe on YouTube. Either of those things is an easy thing you can do, and that's all I want is either one of those things for my 40th birthday. Uh, That's out of the way. I promised yesterday we'd talk about the Fran Mill Reyes situation, so we are definitely going to start with that. We're going to talk about Alex Call, a move that I, you know, I'm not going to do it. Uh, You know, I'm not going to go for the pun that literally everyone else made. So I am going to uh, just, we have Call currently up, and we're going to get into a game that they are currently Winning. So let's discuss Framil Reyes. It came out in a piece by Terry Pluto that the Guardians could be looking to move Framil Reyes. And my first thought process on this was what? Simply because, in terms of right handed bats, there is Oscar Gonzalez. And, and that's it amongst players that we kind of think can actually uh, contribute in the next year or so. John Kenzie Noel is probably about two years out. Uh, all the other top prospects in the upper levels are all lefties, and we know how much in a Tito-led team having that balance matters. So it's interesting, but one of the things the articles... So that was one of the reasons I wasn't sure, but here's where it gets down to why you believe this is a real thing, why they would consider moving Fran Mill. One, it calls out his issue being in shape. And you can go back to every single year since they've acquired him, he started out the year slow, and he started out the year a little bit out of shape. And that's... You know, 20, 21, and now 22. He is, let's see, has he turned 27 yet? Or is he going to turn 27? He has turned 27, uh, you know, just a few days ago. So he's a very large dude who has problems staying in shape, who's getting close to 30. And oh, yes, at the end of this year, he becomes arbitration eligible. So that price is going to keep going up in terms of salary. It won't be too big next year, 
But when you look at a guy who had a 37 home run year and a 30 home run year in uh, two of the last three recent seasons, with the only one that not being there, uh, being the the COVID year, yeah, he's going to get pricey. Power gets expensive. So he's going to get expensive. He has problems staying in shape. And he is a DH only. You know, he rarely do they feel like they can trust him out in the outfield. And all that comes together when they have a preponderance of talent that they maybe feel like they can trust. Yeah, maybe they shop for Mill. Now, the one downside to that is what are you going to trade him for? Like, if you trade him to another contender, I mean, that's the only person who's going to want him. Now, it's two and a half years of control. I should point that out. So there is a lot of value in Fran Mill Rays. Uh, he has played great. I mean, today alone, he just keeps batting away at it. This isn't the right, I swear, when I click on the MLB game day, it never takes me to the right game. So just looking at the Guardians today for Fran Mill, three for four with a stolen base. Definitely check that out if you missed it. Unsurprisingly, his first stolen base of the year. But he just keeps hitting. Dude keeps hitting, and his value is going to keep going up because multiple years of control, right-handed bat. Now, like I said, what do you trade him for? Uh, if you're like, well, what about the Marlins? Don't they need outfield help? Well, again... We're not sure he can play in the outfield. And two, they more, I believe, wanted a left-handed bat, not a right-handed bat. So it's not an ideal matchup. It's kind of weird. And it's like, what do you trade him for in terms of helping your roster? If you're trading with a contender, uh, can you, you don't want to go out and trade for multiple prospects. You have to add to the roster, and the roster's already all over the place. Uh, I think my first feeling was like, that's silly. This can't be a real thing. My second thought was, no, you think about it. A... Where the information came from was probably fed. Like that was told too. Being very quick to point out that this is someone who is in bad shape. That's a great way to spin things. Three, he's going to start getting pricier. It's the same reason that like, nice throw there by Ahmed, but I still think Ahmed Rosario could, well, actually not the best throw. That was a short hop. Uh, but man, he's not, that's the thing. The arm just does not seem very strong, but both of these guys are going to get more and more expensive. And with a team with limited assets and with young players coming up the pipe, it just is a little bit silly to pay them. I'd be more inclined to pay Fran Mill just because, again, they don't have right-handed bats and they don't have, um, you know, a ton of power hitters. That's why I stayed higher on Nolan Jones than most. But, yeah, that's uh, it's interesting, but I, I see it as a possibility. Uh, it does feel like groundwork. To, to put it out there. So when the Guardians trade one of their best hitters, uh, there's, you know, like, well, you know, the paper said this and that. It feels like laying some groundwork. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of, I always like to comment when people leave comments. So I had someone comment about me uh, patting myself on the back too much. I feel like I'm very fair on that. And I kind of took it to the Twitter and the whole overall crowd. Let me know in the comments, like, do you feel like I take too many victory laps? Yes, I do feel like I take him, but I feel like even in yesterday's episode where I was taking a Nolan Jones victory lap, I was also talking about how I was uh, unfair to Ahmed Rosario. I balanced it out. Uh, you know, th- there's a lot each way. You know, I could talk about when I, I think I talked about even when I was talking about how amazing that 2012 draft was. Like my redraft would have ended up much worse because I didn't take Savali in my redraft. I did keep Andrew Landtrip. That's the guy who it didn't work out. Uh, I did keep Bieber, and I did keep Plesak, but it was definitely not as good of a draft. So I think in any of these things, you point out when you get it right, you point out when you get it wrong, and then you just keep moving forward. Uh, speaking of right-hand bats, the Guardians made the right call today, giving Alex Call a chance to play in the big leagues. Part of me felt like this was just totally a, a slam on the White Sox because it is humorous to go back and think about the fact that Yonder Alonso, 
who was awful. It's one of the worst contracts the Guardians have handed out in the last decade. Like, it honestly is. And somehow, not only did he get the White Sox to take the whole contract, and we know how. Uh, he was, the White Sox were chasing Machado at the time, and he is a good friend, maybe brother-in-law. But, yeah, it was a terrible contract. And not only were they able to get out from under two years left on a bad contract for a player who had had a hot first half and then faded, like, uh, he was in, I want to say he was in Oakland Athletic, and I remember on this very podcast being like, I, I don't think he's worth acquiring, and then they ended up signing him in the offseason. I had some angry people come after me with the A's about, oh, no, he's changed. Uh, no, he hadn't. <laughs> but uh, they got Alex Call, and it's not to say that Call is necessarily a great prospect. It's not to say he's going to even stick with this team, but he's a player who has you know cut down on his K rate. He has played all three spots. He has always consistently done what is asked of him, and giving that young player who has worked his tail off that shot in the big leagues, I'd rather see that than we know what Mercado is. Uh, we know he's not a major leaguer. He's a quad A guy. I'm not saying that Call is better than that. I'm not even saying that he is that, but he has earned that opportunity, and I was glad to see that they promoted Alex Call to this team. Uh, and again, it's not just because of you know me pointing it out or anything like that. It's because I like to see guys get an opportunity. I like to see someone from a small conference who at points, I'm sure, thought about hanging it up, continued to work, continually worked his tail off, and got himself to the point where he is in the big league. So, you know, congratulations to Alex Call. Well-earned promotion. Not just a good move for the Guardians organization, because I still think, like, hey, he potentially could be better in Mercado. He could potentially be worse. But I think it's also just a good move uh, in terms of morale in that AAA system. Like, the other guys are going to be excited by the fact that someone like Call put in that work and got that opportunity knowing that it's a bit of a meritocracy and that you can work your way up there, that's going to help. That's going to be something that sticks around in the minds of a lot of players. Since Trevor Steffen just uh, struck out his final batter he's facing here in the seventh, we're going to take our first commercial break, come back, talk about this game, uh, and also talk about the trade the Kansas City Royals made today. It's another really interesting one. And our first fantastic sponsor are our good friends over at BuiltBar.com. I am currently loading the page because I love Built Bar and I want to see what is going on. There is always something fun. Always a new flavor comes into the rotation. If your favorite isn't available right, right now, just wait a few weeks. It'll be there eventually. Uh, raspberry lemonade is kind of the current big one. Coconut brownie chunk sounds amazing. And I always love a good granola from them. Granola was my favorite when I recently tried that. White chocolate berry granola is available at BuiltBar.com. And when you go to BuiltBar.com today, do what I do. Use the promo code LOCK15. I buy from BuiltBar all the time. When I do, I use that promo code because who doesn't want to save money? BuiltBar.com. It's the best tasting protein bar you'll have. Remember, that promo code is LOCKED15. So, there's the so, so you know we're back. Um... I want to talk about the trade that occurred with the Braves. I thought it was interesting. The Braves traded a 26-year-old infielder in the, let me make sure I get this right, in Tyler Alexander, who, uh, you know, depth guy. They traded their 16th rated prospect at Fangraphs, 23rd overall rated prospect, Andrew Hoffman. And they traded a massively distressed asset in Drew Waiters. Now, Drew Waiters, uh, Waters, I should say, not Waiters, Drew Waters, is an interesting player. I thought he was the best second-round pick in his draft class. I love that selection by the Braves. But that was definitely a point in time where it was interesting to watch how it unfolded with him. And I kind of got into a little bit on Twitter with this. But 
there was a point in time where there were definitely teams that I remember Keith Law specifically uh, overslid the base there. That's unfortunate. Talking about how teams would overpromote players because, and this this kind of would have with Jake Bowers because for a long time it's like we all knew, hey, age relative to level is the number one indicator of future performance. So teams really leaned into that, hoping to elevate trade values of players. Would also allowed more forgiveness to be given to a player in terms of their production. Drew Waters was an interesting guy who a lot of people wanted for Clevenger and a lot of people wanted for Lindor, and he was supposed to be, you know, the big bat. But here's the problem. The thing that didn't get talked about enough at the time and eventually led to him, even I remember like reading an Eric Longenhagen piece talking about why he dropped him significantly in his ranks, you know, last year or two years ago. It's because we've learned the importance of batted ball data. We've learned that like high strikeout rates, it doesn't matter how you're, you know, it doesn't matter if you're four and a half years younger in your level if you are striking out at a very 30 percentile type of rate not walking much and not showing much power that's not a good sign <laughs> there's not a lot of players who find success with that profile it's kind of similar to what we talked about at oscar gonzalez uh, but he cut down on that strikeout rate and he showed power so it's even worse than that and that's one of those things at the end of the day when you look at waters and you look at why he got overhyped to a degree by people like me again i called him the best second round pick in his draft class i am as guilty as anyone it's we gave him a little more too much leeway in terms of his data, even though his data was for the most part atrocious. This is a guy who he, you know, in 2019 was great in double A, but in triple A, he just, but even when he was great, a 6% walk rate, a 26% K rate, and just five home runs. He wasn't showing any power and he was striking out a lot and he didn't, he wasn't balanced. He was an unbalanced hitter. And it's a profile that we see a lot of. Go, go look at Lewis Brinson. Go look at Monte Harrison. Go look at the outfielders who fail. Go look at the guys who don't work out. Go look at Bradley Zimmer. These guys all have that profile. <laughs> High K rates, low walk rates, and sometimes it's power production, and sometimes it's just, well, they have plus power. They haven't applied it in games yet. Uh, that stuff is out there, and... You know, Waters, it's the tools are there, uh, as they'd always say, but he wasn't even a great fielder. And you think about it, like there's a point in time we're talking Pache and Waters, and I mean, both of them look like backups at best right now. Like that is the truth of the matter on them. What's fascinating about this deal is he's a massively distressed asset who I don't think would have been in their top 10 um, prospects anymore. I should probably... Go look at like roster resource and see because they're pretty good over at Fangraphs about moving guys around. But I don't see how you could still view this guy as a top. He's been sitting in AAA for like three years now. He's almost up to the league uh, average age. Yeah, I mean they they have him. They have the trade through, and he's not in the top ten prospects for Kansas City. And the other prospects, they got three guys who are not top ten prospects, and they trade away the thirty fifth pick in the draft. Now, for me personally, I think that is a great deal, and it shows how picks are undervalued, and it's why. I would love to see the Guardians move multiple pieces. Again, I'm not sitting there and talking about moving Arias. I'm not necessarily even talking, you know, I'm not talking about a Rokio. That's kind of funny. Is this? Yeah, because that's from 2018. Okay. The top 10 prospects list currently showing on the roster resource page has Yu Chen Chang at two because it's from 2018. Uh, but I'm not talking about any of these guys. I'm not talking about your big name prospects. I'm talking biggest name I consider is Jose Tenya, and then more maybe further down the line. Guys like Xavier Curry. I mean, I loved having Hunter Gaddis on the show, but if he's part of it, I'm looking at guys that are maybe more like the teens. And if you can move three guys in your teens and get a potential 
comp pick, get a pick in the 30s, I do that. It also helps clean out the rockster gut, not gut, glut, and helps figure things out. Now, again, not everyone agrees with me, and that's fine. Uh, It is kind of kicking the can down the road, but I would rather kick the can down the road than have the can robbed and get nothing out of it. I would also rather consolidate in any way, shape, or form. And the nice thing with the draft pick and that pool money is if you go out and make that trade, maybe you get the big name at 35, and then you get, you know, you're seeing, you get a Jake Bennett, for instance, the Oklahoma lefty, uh, or a Brandon Sprout, uh, the Florida righty at pick 37. And you consolidate the money from those two picks and pay one premium guy, one top 30 talent, and then one guy who's a little bit lower. And you can still come around the second round to get someone really interesting and not everyone's going to work out but i think it is an approach that actually would kind of work i think it is something to consider uh you don't have to agree with me that's fine there's different views to all of this and my view uh could end up being very wrong but i thought what atlanta did was fascinating i think it was a good move and they moved on from a massively distressed asset they turned a second rounder the 41st pick overall plus two more of their assets in fairness uh into the 35 pick a few years later so uh, that, you know, I th- it's a net loss when you consider, I believe, uh, Waters was an oversought signing. So they did end up giving up more than the overall cost, but that's because the asset was so distressed. Uh, Class A making it look easy. We are currently, at this point in the show, time for our next commercial break. We will come back. We're going to talk about the All-Star game uh, and then talk about this game overall. Listen, the Guardians just won as I'm recording. And you know who else will allow you to win? RockAuto.com. I've talked about my own experience not using RockAuto and costing myself 50 bucks. I could go to a baseball game for that. Uh, maybe not the game where I got that rally towel in the background. That was from one of the postseason games a few years ago. But still, you could get yourself some tickets if you save money with RockAuto.com. And it's a perfect site for a do-it-yourself, especially if you are not me and you know a lot about cars. You can save yourself a ton by getting all the pieces sent to you directly, cutting out the middleman, and getting those savings directly to you. And if you are like me and you don't know cars, filters and windshield wipers, they're easy. You can YouTube them. And a lot of times on those filters, they also have additional rebates to save you even more. Go to rockauto.com today. Remember to, use the pro- remember to tell them that Locked On sent you. That's right, in the little box of, you know, how'd you hear about us? You're going to write Locked On. That's right, Locked On in the little how'd you hear about us box. So they know that you were sent to them. Uh, Save yourself some money at rockauto.com. Okay, so we talked about call. We talked about Fran Mill. We talked about, we got to talk about the the All-Star game. I think it was interesting, um, you know, just to go back to the Alex Call stuff, just the the Terry Terry Francona quote. Ooh, Francona, ooh, Francona quote. That's hard to say. Uh, we have an opportunity to see somebody. If we let that opportunity pass, we may not get it again. So they felt this was a good chance to get a look at this kid. So they felt, there is your key word right there. So they felt this was a good chance. Not not uh, we felt even. No, no, they felt. This is him not being happy about the choice that was made. They felt it was a good chance to get a look at a kid. Kudos to the front office, one of the best in the business, for just not giving them a choice. Let's see what Alex Call can do. Uh And, you know, we'll talk about what he did today in a moment. But let's talk about the All-Star game. Three very deserving candidates. Uh, Justin Lotta, our good friend JL Baseball, had a great tweet today about Andres uh, Jimenez has now been to the All-Star game before Frankie Lindor since that trade's happened. The total number of All-Stars since that trade, one for Cleveland, zero for the Mets. 
And then you go back and look at the Corey. Corey Kluber, by the way, pitching decent. Like, I'm not saying he's necessarily an all-star, but he's had two solid years. Like, the reports of his demise are greatly exaggerated. Corey Kluber is out there struggling. Uh, I mean, I would I would take Corey Kluber on the Guardians in a heartbeat, personally. I would not trade Emmanuel Classe for him, but that's another one that, as Justin pointed out, he, uh, since he was traded, you know, most people thought that the Rangers got the huge advantage. Nope, now it's Cleveland has the all-star. Texas does not. If you're curious... Uh, right now, Kluber, 362 ERA, 82 innings, 7.9 strikeout per nine. That's low for him, but the walk is down to 1.4. Uh, home run rate is right in line. Uh, you know, he threw 80 innings last year, 82 this year. He's a limited player, but he's out there still churning. Good on him. I'm going to root for Corey Kluber until the end of time. Uh, if you don't like that, you can just, there's the door. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's, he'd probably the favorite pitcher of my lifetime. I'm just going to, I'm going to put that out there. Let's talk about this game. Now that we talked about the all-stars, three of them for this Cleveland guardians team, a team that is back to 500 because the white Sox, yay. The white Sox eight to four win by Cleveland. Yes. Co-host you have white on you, but it doesn't mean you're a white Sox fan. You are colored like a white sock. So I guess maybe you count. Uh, so just getting into it. Who had, who reached base twice in this game? Quan did. Rosario did. Uh, you had Fran Mill and Nolan Jones and Miles Straw. By the way, have you noticed Miles Straw is ticking up of late? Not necessarily saying he's letting the world on fire, but he is playing better. And as he plays better, I think, you know, the confidence is improving. <laughs> Have to love the fact that uh, the only stolen base in this game is Fran Mill Reyes. That alone is going to make him one of your players of the game. Quantrill got into a bit of a sticky situation, but a two-inning hold by Trevor Steffen. Got two strikeouts, didn't allow any base runners. Great performance by him. Not a save opportunity, but Class A hadn't pitched in a while. One inning, one strikeout, no base runners. Strong performances by both. Hit by a pitch in this one. Uh, all three, the Guardians. Why are they getting hit so much? And it's funny because, like, I remember a year ago hearing from White Sox fans, oh, Indians are always hitting the White Sox. The White Sox are never, like, this always happened. Guardians got hit three times in this game. Uh, Jimenez... I'm going to pause this because here's the thing. You know, you're sitting here doing this. Let's see who leads the league in hit by pitches. It has to be Jimenez, right? So this actually only gives Andres his 10th. He had been tied with uh, a lot of guys. I won't say all of them, including podcast legend Kyle Farmer. Uh, he is now up to 10th, which ties him with Cronenworth and Mark Kaneha. Anthony France has 11, or, or Anthony Rizzo has 11. Ty France has 14. Wilson Contreras at 16, your league leaders. But yeah, he just keeps getting beaned. I mean, my goodness. Uh, overall in this game, so I guess I have to go back in and add those in. Let's see. Quan, Jimenez, uh, they had all already been up there. And for Jose, that was the only time he reached base. Uh, is there anyone who didn't reach base at all in this game? That, that's the true question. Due to Jose getting hit, I don't believe so. I believe everyone reached base at least once. I guess Andres technically did reach base twice. Uh, so I did not call him out in terms of the multi-go games. Uh, the only guy who didn't reach base, uh, call. He was a defensive replacement slash pinch hitter for Nolan Jones. Just the one plate appearance for him. We talked about the pitching, Quantrell. He's he's using the sinker too much, uh, but you know he is what he is. He's a, a middling starter, and that's where we kind of are with most of this pitching staff. McKenzie has front of the rotation ceiling. I mean, Savale's spin rates you think he would, and he's looked better of late. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Plesak is what he is. He's a back-end guy. I think Quantrell is like a back-end guy. Savale, 
back to maybe mid. I just don't know about health. And I mean, McKenzie, I believe, honestly, can be a number two if he can just consistency. Bieber, it feels like he's a number two. I don't know if they really have that true ace anymore because, again, that velocity drop for Bieber has just kind of limited him a bit. Uh, going back into this one, and, you know, it's going to be kind of a killer because for Plesak and for um, Bieber, their arbitration numbers are going to jump because of that 2020 season where, again, it was a mirage because they're facing the central, only the central. So time for some box score bingo in this one. 12 hits for the Guardians, two walks, and three hit batters, so 17 opportunities there. One error, that gives them 18 opportunities, so 18 would be about six runs on average. They got eight in this one, which is kind of amazing when there was only one extra base hit in the whole game. Nolan Jones is double. Other, other side of things, eight hits, one walk, nine opportunities. Four runs is pretty good for the White Sox and nine opportunities. They had two extra base hits, one being the home run off of Quantrill, the other being a double. Players of the game, who are your three stars? Nolan Jones continuing to get that uh you know i'm not the biggest rbi guy but he had the only extra base hit he did have four rbis it's always kind of when you see that there uh fran reyes three runs or three runs three hits he gets another star and for me it's like i debate straw and trevor stefan those are the two and, and not only fran by the way to go back three hits also that stolen base given the due guy his full credit but uh reyes and jones stand out and then Straw, who had the two hits, but also had some timely hitting. And then Trevor Stephan, who came in and got the double play to get out of the inning when you had runners at first and second and one out. And here's that, I mean, multi-inning for him. I'm going to go with Stefan in this case. I appreciate you, Miles Straw. Most 95% of games, Straw, you give me that box score you gave me tonight, you're going to make one of the three stars. This is just one of those games. There was so many deserving candidates. Two inning save, big double play. Those are your three stars for me in this game overall. How are you feeling about this tribe team? I'm, you know, I like seeing the young players. I'm glad Nolan Jones is up. I love they went out and got Alex Call and are giving him an opportunity. I am looking forward to seeing what they add in the draft. It's only a week away. And again, I want to remind you, I'm, it's my birth. Well, my birthday was yesterday by the time you likely watch this. But if you want to give me something for my birthday, I don't need gifts. I don't need anything. I would like a few more subscribers on the YouTube, a few more reviews on the iTunes. Either of those, help me out. Download daily. Do your little part. It is greatly appreciated. I want to thank you again for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day wherever you get podcasts. If you're enjoying all this prospect talk, go check out Lindsey Crosby. We're going to be doing some draft stuff. By the way, I finished my top 51 prospects with a bonus. Last year's bonus player, by the way, was Nico Cavadas. Go look up his numbers. <laughs> For Boston, he went to the 11th round. It was that player where I was like, I don't understand. Again, it's high, eh? He's a little old for the level, but it, he is just absolutely destroying the ball for them. Uh, big fan of that pick at the time. So it's kind of a player to similar vein. You might be able to guess it. But I go 51 deep. It is a weird list. I have a player in the top 35 who is not in anyone's top 100. So, you know, it is, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, I will promote that at some point, and I will probably do a bonus show this week. I do have some travel coming at the end of the month, so I might do a bonus show this week um, that you might see pop up that is just my draft rankings, maybe two. We got to figure it out as the draft is Sunday. I want to thank everyone for listening. Remember to rate and review. It really helps the show. Remember, subscribe for my birthday. I love you all. Thank you for being a kind group of listeners. Again, not every fan base is anywhere near as kind as the Guardians fans. And as I end every show now, go, go, Guardians, go.